In the Ring with Eusebius Makaiser. Eusebius Makaiser. So the elections have come and gone, the local government elections here in South Africa. And what is interesting is that we have more hung municipalities than ever before. And that means that uh, the main parties, the African National Congress, as well as the Democratic Alliance, or the two biggest, not necessarily the main parties, do not have outright majorities, 50 plus one, in many of our municipalities that enable them to run those municipalities without coalition partners. The next week or so will therefore see furious coalition talks happening, but coalition governments in South Africa at local government level have got a checkered history, and it raises a new set of questions, the most pointed of which is, how can you go about forming coalitions that actually work? And, as a qualifier, that work for residents of the cities, towns, villages, districts, metros, not work for self-serving politicians. Well, I asked well-known South African academic, political commentator and author, Professor Adam Habib, who of course is also director of SOAS, the University of London, to join me for this very pointed conversation. And I hope that many of the politicians following my podcast, In the Ring with Eusebius MacKaiser, will take seriously some of the principles and the practical advice that Adam and I will be discussing in this podcast episode. Adam, good morning to you and thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me, CBS. Thank you for inviting me to share my thoughts. The very first issue I want to discuss is that sometimes we focus on institutions and designing institutions and even processes to be as optimal as possible. And as an academic, that conversation is one that could excite you uh, in a long seminar. But from a real politic point of view, how important is it right now here in South Africa for us to focus on leadership? So I think that the fundamental challenge uh, in South Africa, but everywhere else, is we put our hope in designing an institution in a particular way and thinking that the technical design of an institution is going to lead to substantive outcomes. Well, it can enable an outcome, but it doesn't guarantee it. It depends who's in those institutions and whether their behavior has fundamentally changed in those institutions. And I worry that we should be paying less attention to design of institutions and far more on how we change the behavior of politicians, how we change the quality of politicians, and how we change leadership. And it seems to me that that's the debate we need to think about in coalition governments. Coalitions do work sometimes, and sometimes they don't. In South Africa, coalitions have been disastrous in Johannesburg and Tswane. And we know that. Mm. They've worked in one case for the Democratic Alliance in Cape Town in an early part of the, the 21st century, the early 2000s. But actually, if you were one of the smaller parties, you'd feel kind of agree mm. because the DA became the dominant party and eventually became a majoritarian player mm. uh, in the Western Cape. So it depends what we're looking for. So for me, what we've now got to start thinking about if coalitions is going to make a difference Mm. is how do we change the politics within it? How do we change the behavior patterns of politicians? Mm. And how do we lead differently? So let's walk through a model of how it could work. And it's rudimentary, but I think it may may give us something to chew on. Uh, in particular, the negotiators that, that are listening to this podcast. So very often, 
What we have seen in many coalition talks is horse trading about positions. I'll vote for your mayor, Adam, if you give me this portfolio on the mayoral committee. What do you make of that kind of posture? I think that's precisely the danger. I think that is precisely uh, continuing the kind of politics that has plagued us and that actually has resulted in a disaster at, frankly, both local and provincial and, and frankly, national level. So what you're going to have to change fundamentally is this first thing, which is all of our talks are in secret. And secondly, it's we're going to kind of horse trade for positions. Mm. It's what is in political science is called elite pacting at the local level. Mm. It's the political elites get together. They make sure they look after themselves. They look after their parties and they look after their comrades. Yes. And they forget what is the fundamental purpose of politics itself at local government level. And that is to maintain and ensure delivery of services. And that's exactly why the turnout's so low. Yeah. The turnout's so low is because the South Africans are really hotball mm. with everybody they can. Uh, they can see who's been implicated in, in the service delivery failures. And I, I blame all of them. It's the ruling party. It's the oppositions, including the DA, the EFF, uh, uh, the UDM in, 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 in the Eastern, all of them have been complicit. Absolutely. And I think in the days and weeks ahead, hopefully we can get robust data to confirm what I think are good hypotheses for why the voter turnout is low. And many of the politicians, and oddly also the Electoral Commission, that really doesn't need to feel bad because it's not their job to fire up the electorate, are coming up with reasons that are on the periphery of this discussion. Things like, for example, inclement weather in some places. Also, perhaps one or two folks have had fears about queuing in a context of COVID. Uh, the fact that, you know, there was little time for politicians to be able to fire up their bases. But all of these, I think, are minor reasons. The most major reason is that we've got a legitimacy crisis. But I want to get back to the coalition talks. You have rightly criticized and explained why the kind of horse trading for positioning is not ideal. I would imagine then that you've got something else in mind. What should be the agenda item? Let's say, for example, for argument's sake, I am Herman Mashaba. I've got my team of negotiators. I'm now negotiating with the Democratic Alliance in Johannesburg for argument's sake. How should I approach it? So Herman Mashaba is an interesting case because although he has been mayor before, he's a new political player. And, and so in a sense, he's got the capacity to, if he's clever and he intervenes appropriately, to change the very nature of the way local government negotiations takes place. Mm. I think he's going to have to learn the lessons uh, from what he did in Johannesburg uh, some earlier on. What I would advise him to do is two or three things. Firstly, I would advise him to hone on on the programmatic agenda of municipal government. Uh, and that's with the small p. So what is the issues that has animated Herman Mashaba uh, over many, many years? One, the city doesn't work. There are too many potholes. Two, the electricity 
doesn't work. We have too many, we have a bullying crisis and there's too many uh, shutdowns. Mm. Three, the water doesn't work. And yeah. So I would take one or two or three and say, firstly, I am kicking off. Anybody who wants to talk to me has to talk to me about a concrete agenda of these services. Mm. What we will do within six months, what we will do within 12 months, and I want to allocate budget to this. You might want to also say, I want to make sure that the budget is allocated equitably. So we're not going to sort out the potholes only in Sandton mm. or Houghton, but we're going to sort them out in uh, Soweto and Alexandra as well. But yeah. the point is, you are saying we're focusing and honing it up. You could do the same on water services and say, this is the what I want to do. The second I would change is the secret nature of these talks and say, whatever agreement I enter into, please note within 24 hours, I will publish it on my website. So you will know openly. And if you're going to enter an agreement with us, uh, you're going to have to acknowledge that this will be published openly on the website. Now, what that does gives the opening gambit. It changes the very nature of coalition talks. Mm. And by focusing it on programmatic questions and transparency, you force the other politicians to either say, we don't believe in it, mm. or they have to say, well, we actually also commit to that. Mm. And you in process start shifting. Now, at the end, I still think there'll be some horse trading sure. around who gets positions, etc. I'm not naive enough to think that won't happen. But at least you're forcing the discussion on the fundamental programmatic issues of municipal government. I think that's excellent. So you focus on a program with a small P, issues-driven negotiations, and you demonstrate with an eye on 2024 that you want to fix issues now, but you really are capable of putting residents first rather than yourself. It brings us back to what you said at the outset of this discussion, which is a term and a phrase, leadership and leadership crises, that we often bandy about as analysts when we describe what is going on in our politics, not just here, but globally as well. But it is true, nevertheless, isn't it? Because what you are outlining as a basic approach to the negotiations all presuppose that one thing can be in place, that the politicians that will be negotiating in our cities around the country are capable of a negotiation that is, in effect, listening to you, about divvying up the responsibility rather than divvying up titles for themselves. That's exactly right. So, effectively, you know, the real issue about leadership is, and this is the real challenge about whether you're building nations or institutions or cities, there's two things you've got to confront. If you want to be uh, retain a level of legitimacy, it seems to me. And it's a term that I've used in other contexts, a kind of radical pragmatism. A radical, a focus on the goal, which is the goal of justice, whether in this case, it's the goal of delivery of services to residents. Mm. That has to be there, but pragmatic, because what governance is about is about making choices between competing priorities. Mm. And you need a level of pragmatism. You've got to confront trade-offs. You've got to say, I'm going to do this and invest in this thing today, mm. and I'll invest it in something else tomorrow. Mm. And that's the kind of thing that I think 
what we need is a leadership on. Now, either what people do is they're entirely pragmatic, but they're not in the least but care, care about the programmatic agenda. So they either look after themselves or they have such unreasonable goals. So you were saying to me and a couple of others were saying to me the other day about the demands the DA has made for coalition. Those yeah, and I want, to, I want to talk about those, right? I want to talk about both the DA, well, all three of them, the three main parties, because um, let's start here. Firstly, before we talk about and evaluate what each of them have said rhetorically are conditions for partnership, one of the things that they've struggled with, and the Helen Zilla example is actually a good example of her getting it right years ago, but very often the politicians from the three biggest parties in South Africa struggle to accept the maths that come with going under 50% in a municipality, that even though I've got 49 and Adam has got three, that that doesn't mean that I can treat him as a steer boy once we are now in municipalities. And the idea that I got more votes than Adam, but I need to work with Adam as an equitable partner, because that's what the maths demands. Attitudinally, many of our politicians within the ANC, DA, and EFF struggle with that. Yeah, so I think that they struggle with two things. One is that whether you like it or not, somebody who has 5% of support can take you over the 50. You yes. better have to deal with them with a level of respect and integrity. You yes. can't humiliate them on the one hand, and then think that they're going to be fair partners with you on the other, because you've just never created an incentive structure for them to act and engage with you as the six. So that's the first. The second, I'm puzzled about how they have, when they talk about municipal governance or municipal coalitions, they talk about fundamental issues that are national and principal level. So they talk about the land question, or they talk about... Uh, a whole series of things that have very little to do with the day-to-day municipal questions that impact on uh, citizens' lives. Now, let's put that on trial, right? Let's start with the Democratic Alliance, and then we'll do EFF, and then the ANC each in turn. The DA's leaders at all levels, when they are asked about coalitions at the Results Operations Centre in Tuane, and in the provincial versions, all parrot the same thing. We're prepared to work with anyone, dear reporter, as long as they are committed to constitutionalism, the rule of law, non-racialism, the separation of party and state, and social market dynamics in the economy. End of recitation. Yeah. So, I mean, again, you look at that. Firstly, every, firstly in some of those demands, nobody will stand up in their right mind and say, we don't do that. So that's the <laughs> kind of first thing. But the second is, even if some of the rhetorical terms may not appeal to one or other party, it doesn't have any relevance to the politics of coalition building at a municipal level when residents are talking about, can you just give me some water when I wake up in the morning? Mm. Or could you stop ensuring that the lights go off at dinner time? Or can I just drive to my school, my kid's school, without having my tire burst because of the 
huge yes. uh, potholes. Mm. Those are the little things that people are worried about. Mm. And if you want to start fixing the politics of the country, yeah. let's start fixing the small stuff and start talking about the 100%. Let's go to the EFF next. They keep saying their leaders, and I watched this late last night, um, you know, when Marshall Lamini was saying the same thing and all of their leaders parrot the same thing. In, in some ways, as bad as the DA's highfalutin description of principles, even though it's local government, but in some ways even worse because this is a non-starter. It, it goes contrary to the very point of any negotiation. And they will say things like, oh, yeah, we, we're happy to, 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 I mean, and obviously they, this is just posture because in reality the EFF is actually more malleable behind the scenes. But rhetorically they say, Adam, uh, in the last couple of days, yeah, we've, we're happy to work with anyone. We've got our manifesto goals and as long as they, one of them even used this word, internalize our manifesto, we're happy to work with them. And I think to myself, my guy, if someone loved your manifesto wholesale, they wouldn't have been in the other political party. Yeah, well, I think that that's right. And I think, again, the this kind of belief, you must agree with me entirely before I, I agree to a coalition. That's the first thing. I think there's a second thing. For a long time, the parties that, the party that got away the best in coalition government was, was the EFF. Not because it was intent on delivery, it was just intent on destabilizing everybody else. So what it actually <laughs> yep. did is say, I'll give you the vote for you to get your mayor elected. You must give me A, B, and C. It always turned out to be a couple of not necessarily positions for the members in the party, but it was, you give us a couple of people in civil servants in this division and this division so that we can influence certain decision-making. They made some social justice goals in the, in the context of Herman Mashaba in Johannesburg, they demanded insourcing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But effectively, what they did is, and they pulled up, they say, we take no responsibility for local government. Now, I think if, if I was a coalition player, I'm going to say, this is a real coalition. You, you want to engage, then you engage as the adults do. We kind of talk about programmatic issues. These are the terms, or oh, frankly, stay out and we'll manage you from, from the outside. Absolutely, That's yeah, absolutely. how I would do it if I was going forward. Lastly, on the ANC, they are more disappointing in my mind as a resident than the EFF and the DA. At least the EFF and the DA are mouthing principled preconditions that we can deconstruct as thinking citizens. The ANC is just entirely opaque they don't get the transparency that you were talking about earlier in this discussion. Uh, one of many occasions, Jesse Duarte, for example, last night in conversation with my media colleague and my friend Stephen Grutus, was saying, oh yeah, on Friday we're going to have a special NEC where we're going to discuss the principles that will guide the provincial teams across the country as they in turn, uh, at least semi-autonomously, which is a good thing, then spearhead the negotiations at that level. And then Stephen, uh, jokingly, being the very nice guy that he is, but he perpetuates, in my opinion, this expectation that opacity is, is acceptable. And then he leans forward and laughs and says, please leak some of the discussion. But of course, I know you won't. And then he continues with the broadcast. And I actually think to myself, no, Stephen, there's a serious point to be made there because this is where what you were describing earlier, I can't remember the, the technical term you use, the kind of elitism of politics get legitimated by us as, as politicians, as if they do us a favor 
Denver to go into a 72-hour secret NEC meeting. We don't even know who their mayoral candidates are. Yeah, so I think that that's exactly right. Firstly, I think that the ANC hasn't come to terms with the fact that it's no longer the party in South Africa, whether whether in real terms or rhetorical terms. Mm. I think that this is a signal that South Africans are really khatpal. Most people are just khatpal. Even the ANC uh, activists are khatpal of the ANC, yes. the, way, the way it's playing itself out. So that's the first thing. And they just haven't understood this as the leadership. The second, which I find, uh, and, and, and that's part of the transparency, but it also, my fear about the ANC is if there's a party that is truly vulnerable to this not being about programmatic issues on local government level and being only about can we negotiate. In a lot of ways, they see coalition parties as, can I give you some positions to keep you quiet and you vote for me and we continue going on as we did before? That's how they, they kind of think it through. This is... If you like, if there's a politics of patronage that has infected any party, it's the ANC in the most dramatic of terms. Mm. Because the only thing that they've learned is you, we get people on board by offering them things. That's right. You offer them a position, yeah. you offer them a tender, you offer them and send them to ambassadors. And I've got, to inter- I've got to interrupt there gently because you've set up this thought. Isn't it interesting how that's an extension of, I offer you the T-shirt, I offer you the food parcel, vote for me? Yes. No, I, it's exactly the kind of thing that is there. And it actually, the other thing that it, uh, that I'm intrigued by some of the, the social media stuff is people are saying, well, the ANC in KwaZulu-Natal has taken a beating. Therefore, maybe they will learn that it was a bad move to actually work with Jacob Zuma. They will learn no such thing. Because internally to their structures, Jacob Zuma still is a big player. Yeah. It isn't what people outside their structure says. Mm. To survive, you need to survive internally to yeah. the structure. And that's the real problem. Absolutely. So just in final, set up a conversation I want to have maybe with you over the next week or so. Maybe we can have a part two. I did say to Adam, we're going to keep this focused because there's so many other post-mortem questions to be asked. Is this an indication, the result that is, that multi-party democracy is what we want as voters and the politicians will have to rethink their obsession with aiming at one-party dominance when they wake up to go to work in the morning because the pluralism that emerges wittingly or unwittingly from these elections is very interesting to me because it takes us back to what we intended to design in 1994. And then, of course, one-party dominance effectively happened with the DA trying like a chihuahua to be biting at the ANC. But now, with the proliferation of independence, as well as sometimes civic movements and organizations at local level, and the ANC and the DA both in many ways getting a comeuppance in big parts of the country, uh, inadvertently what is emerging is a return to a kind of pluralism. Yes, so I think that that's true. But I think that there are two things to worry about that. Pluralism in certain political contexts can debilitate a society. And you could have governments go on for years not actually having 
coming into power simply because there's a caretaker government because nobody can agree on anything. Mm. And you see that in some parts of the world. And, you know, at the moment, if you look at Germany, there are the national elections. Those coalition talks have been going on for two, three months. Now, Angela Merkel continues. Now, that works in a society where the bureaucracy is so independent and operates sometimes independently of the politician. In a society where the bureaucracy is tied to the politician, it can debilitate Mm. delivery. So that the question is not that we're getting to a pluralism. The question is how do we manage the pluralism Mm. so that ordinary citizens are not paying the consequences because politicians can't. So that's the first thing. Mm. The second thing that I think is I carry on asking who can introduce, who's got the incentive to introduce the new policy. It's not going to come from the ANC or the DA or the EFF because they've got used to a politics of horse trading. It seems to me it has to come from one of the new players or one of the the smaller parties Mm -hmm. that kind of says, here's how you should be doing it. Here's what I want if you want my two or three or four votes. Absolutely. And open a discourse Mm. that changes behavior. Mm. And that's why I think Herman or one of the other parties who comes to the play, it's, you might be small, but you may have a, a series of votes that they require, mm. but you need, the, you need to change behavior 100%. and use this as a lever to change behavior. Yeah, and to demonstrate leadership, and then maybe we'll come back to the polls and vote in historically high numbers again. Adam, have a beautiful day. Thank you so much for this conversation before you head out to work there in London. Thanks so much for coming on In the Ring with Eusebius McIsaac. Thanks, Eusebius. Have a good day. Bye-bye.